Literature Review showdown anymore, people said, and people had a point. Because I haven't seen it for a while, I've been watching UKW other programming like Mayhem and Ignite, and the reason being is because they're a bit shorter. You know, they're just below an hour, maybe they're 45 minutes sometimes, 45, and consequently an hour and a half or sometimes two hours of showdown is a bit too long when you've got loads of other wrestling you want to watch. However, I've managed it. This is last Friday's, but it only, I mean, they'll be doing one tonight, won't they? But it only came up yesterday because UKW is busy as well. And it is the flagship show, I suppose. So I wanted to want to see what what was going on with it. And I'm glad I did. Because actually, it was smooth. A lot smoother than some of the other programmes, like Ignite, I'm afraid. Um, and Mayhem's all right. But um, Showdown really worked, actually, for me. It was Brett Hadley, the voice of UKW. And uh, Mustafa Khan. And then Red Brocco, who they said is missing. I thought they meant he'd been abducted in some way. But no, he's... Um, well, more of that in a minute. First of all, we've got uh, Jonathan Sedgwick out. He can do whatever he likes because he is the owner of the company. And that is why I complete your crosswords every two days, leaving the easy ones, but not the difficult ones, my liege. Anyway, he's out saying that he will fight Damian Black. The promo is short and ordinary. And Damian Black's pretty ordinary as well, I always think. I haven't seen him fight, though. I've only seen him on promos. So maybe he really turns it on when he's wrestling. I don't know. And then we've got the um, Paul Hubris car promo that we saw on Mayhem last week. He's back. He's re-signed. And as I say, he, he wasn't in a soft top convertible cruising down the highway. Cruising down the highway. He wasn't. He was in some kind of, well, you know, family hatchback it looked like to me. You know, not, I mean, not a, not a, not a lost in Allegro or anything. Something more modern than that, but uh, there you go. Anyway, on to Red Brocco, who, this is quite good, actually, and it just, in a way, it shows Sedgwick very busy, but also not really helpful. He stops him as he comes back, backstage, you know, in the back, and says he could do with his help. Um, I, want, I want to talk to you about Paul Hubris, and uh, Sedgwick, you've still got a lot going on at the moment. I'm sure you'll sort it out at yourself. And leaves him. He doesn't even give him anything. He doesn't say, go on, let's talk about it later. He doesn't say, I'm really busy, but I've got probably, I've got something in my diary for you for tomorrow. Nothing like that. You sort it out for yourself. Well, he is the general manager of Showdown, isn't he? And um, Hubris is after Red Brocco. So when he comes to the desk, he looks a little beleaguered. Beleaguered, I tells you. And then he, uh, he sits down to do his commentary. And actually... Both Mustafa Khan and um, Red Brocco rather good as just, you know, backups to Brett Hadley's excellent work. And first of all, we've got uh, Johan Hunt versus JPR. Now, those two stars don't... I'm not quite sure they really match but or mesh, but they did, and I wanted this match to be longer. So, there was a JPR snapmare and a pause while he soaked in the audience's acclamation before his shearer kick... Hunt bailed, of course, lured him back into the ring and then stopped him. Yeah, you see, JP, I thought you I thought you were experienced in wrestling, mate. 
What are you doing? Anyway, there was a nice uh, hunt knee, uh, a nice, should I say, hunt knee DT. I think he did a couple. Sweet springboard forearm. Sweet springboard forearm. And um, the phantom stomp for the pin. Well, that was pretty indisputable. And I thought it could have been longer because I was enjoying what they were doing. And although I thought their stars might not mesh, that was good here. I wanted it to go a lot longer. Shame. Now, Sheep Mug 2. Where's his mate? I keep saying this. They just seem to have forgotten about him. He introduced him. He was there at ringside. He's supposed to be a good friend. Then they were doing some kind of, you want to help me nefariously and I don't want that stuff. And I thought, it's going to turn him to the dark side, isn't he, or something. Maybe he'll become a heel. I've forgotten all about it. Anyway, but I haven't. We've got his Arabian Nights, um, you know, bit. And um, when he announces it, someone screams. It's great. Everybody scream. Well, one person. It's good, though. His guest is Big Duncan. And Big Duncan's not very happy, generally, most of the time. So the thing is, if you've got someone who's bigger than you, then it's probably not best to insult them. It's probably best to negotiate with them and create some kind of empathy. But no, Shake Muktoum insults him. Yeah, he wants, um, he puts his hand on him to stop him walking away at one point. He wants Duncan to be happy. This is a happy show. And what he supposes and proposes, what he proposes is a pie-eating comp. Yeah, it's a pie-eating competition, not a pie-eating competition. That would be very difficult. A pie-eating competition. It's it's a bit of a gag, really, because Big Duncan's big. So, um, yeah. Big Duncan then attacks him. Says he's back. McToon won't leave it. He still takes the mickey out of him. Duncan stands on his hand. McToon, it's almost as if he just... He's ill or something and he can't stop insulting him. You know, it's almost as if he doesn't have a filter. He can't stop insulting him. It's, um, it actually turns into quite a good, quite a good vignette, actually. Although I don't know why Muktoom's doing it. Because generally, he's a happy-go-lucky guy, isn't he? So, I don't know why he doesn't have any enmity against Duncan. It's almost as if he's decided today, I'll just take the mickey out of someone. It's a bit weird. But um, he insults him so much, he finally gets put down by the Fallen Man Slam, and this vignette is over. On to Uther versus Brett Sedgwick, which is quite good, actually. It's a test of strength to begin with. Brett blocks a wrist lock takeover, hits a Hurricane Rana, but Uther sandwiches Brett onto the, in between, on the guardrail. Um, sandwiches his leg, I think, on the guardrail, if I remember rightly. Or was it his face? That was his leg, I think. And then smacked him up on the outside, singed in a kind of clover leaf. And then um, Brett really smacked onto the feet of Uther on a frog splash. I mean, he slapped onto them. The ref took the chair away from Uther. Uther, Uther, wasn't happy with that. But as soon as the ref turns his back, I'll just put the chair over there. Make sure I lay it down. I don't want to scuff it or mark it. These are all expensive items. Turns his back, and of course, Uther gets the low kick for the roll-up and the pin. It was shaping up to be rather good. And then Cliff Harrison's down with Mercer, 
Of course, they're the Breaking Bones studio, aren't they? I forgot who it was when Level Up offered them the um, chance for a, a tag team championship match. Now, you would have thought they'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? That's all we want. Thank you very much. I'm quite respectful of you for letting us have that chance. But no, they come out and beat him up. Where's Case and Riley? Isn't Brett supposed to be his mate? Mercer accepts the challenge, but I think we already knew that. And here's Mercer again. And here's Jonathan Sedgwick again. Well, they're in the building. You might as well use them. It was quite good, actually, this. There were Jonathan Sedgwick postings and a bulldog. Harrison, of course, got involved. That's Cliff. To you and to you and me in choking him. Big Mercer backbreaker. There's a chant for Mercer. There isn't one for Sedgwick. It's weird, isn't it? Strange that. There's a uh, Mercer crank back on the chin and a lovely spiked DDT. Now, Sedgwick can't lift him for the suplex because Mercer's been working on his body. Mercer hits one of his own. Sedgwick fights off Harrison on the outside while Mercer jaws with the fans and brings the ref over, you know, to give Cliff Harrison a bit more time. Mercer Cloverleaf. Sedgwick sells well because he knows exactly what he's doing. Comes back with a nice clothesline. Lovely leg drop. Harrison distracts to stop the super kick, but then Mercer rushes in, hits Harrison by mistake, and there's a lovely Sedgwick sharpshooter for that tap. Sedgwick's great in the ring. Some of his work is just phenomenal. Really well done. Mercer knows what he's doing as well. He's shaping up to be superb in the ring. Really good match. Now, what happened to Creed PR? You know, now, JPR's there. Ian Creed is there. It's almost as if it's been forgotten and they've moved on without any thoughts because the crowd won't remember. Well, I do. Yeah, so there you go. I do. I'm like a, an elephant in a way, you know, and all of all of that, yes. So, and where's that bloke who was with much Shape Yeah, you've already had that, haven't you? Yeah, anyway, this was rather good. And of course, Ian Creed at the moment, whose character I rather like, has got the, um, the I'm... Jonathan Sedgwick's son, because of course they've got the dynasty going on, haven't they? And is that Dallas? Or was it dynasty? I remember the Colbys, remember that? Blimey, that was poor. Charlton Eston and Maxwell Coldfield, remember that? I think it was, was it Michelle Pfeiffer? Young Michelle Pfeiffer? Can't remember. Anyway, in this match facing Tommy Dillon, we've got um, Ian wanted to be called Ian Sedgwick. He's got Sedgwick written on his chest, of course. Crowd are chanting it, which is nice. Brett, of course, calls the Ian Creed a suplex display. Lovely Gordon Soli work. I'm currently watching a bit of Continental Wrestling for SNME, that massive Canadian platform. Because my podcast's gone through the roof here. So, um, you might want to have a listen to that. Why don't you? Now, um, we've got Dylan stopping uh, Creed from pulling him under the ring. Yep, you've got to stop that because you never know what happens under there, do you? And you've got Dylan working the leg, which of course will nullify Ian Creed's knee finisher. Nice flying clothesline from Dylan. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I love it when he gets a bit hardcore, just steps on... Ian Creed's throat. Thro- now, uh, Creed, I was going to say throat then, Creed fights through a Kiara lock but gets a basement clothesline because how dare you fight through my Kiara lock? Desperation, Spinebuster, Creed. Spinebuster, yeah. 
Uh, so Spine Buster drop, really. And then he hits the Sedgwick leg drop. Of course he does. Mishinoku driver for Creed. And then the ear dig. Dylan really sells it. He sells the disgust of it. Creed really savours it. And the crowd seem to really enjoy it, which is a big turnaround, isn't it? Now, Dylan hits the sleeper. This is how much the crowd love Ian Creed. There is a do not tap chant. Love it. He hits the jawbreaker. He's out. And Dylan fell right on his back as if he was... As if he'd, as if he'd been shot. Just fell. It's lovely. Creed got the knee. He hadn't worked on it enough, had Dylan. And he hit that knee for the pin. It's lovely because he's got those long levers. And it was really good. As was his shout of, Do you think my dad would be proud of me? Afterwards. I think I'm doing a fairly good impression of him there. And on to the main event. Which is, well... How tasty is this? Cayman Carlisle versus Momentum with Hamza on commentary and really doing well, you know. It's a sparky proposition on that commentary, a bit like Mo was a while ago. Now, there's good avoidance to begin with, but there's a Mo neck breaker for a two count. Mo hits a model Northern Light suplex. It's beautiful bridge, almost as nice as the Brooklyn, but not quite. Then you've got a flying basement forearm from Cayman, suplex throw, turns a kick into a pump handle slam, catches the kick, turns it into a pump handle slam, as if it was something you do every day. Cayman Carlisle, serious talent. Same with Momentum, who, well, he gets a massive clothesline, that really hurts, I'm sure. Then he avoids the hyperdrive, it's a blockbuster, does Mo. Fantastic. Of course he likes the gory bomb, does Mo. Cayman knows this, he scouted it, fights out of it. It's the rolling moose, which is Hamza's move for the pin. Hamza can't believe it. He and Car- and Cayman Carlisle shake hands, and he says they have something in common. And he wants them to wrestle the number one contender for the heavyweight belt at Aftermath, Red Brocco. Go on, then. <laughs> I like the idea. Go on, then. I think they're the actual words he used. Sucks to be momentum, doesn't it? Because although he's going for the TV title, and he's got the match against... Johan Hunt coming up, he's left in the ring, Hamza goes out to see, he's my mate, cheer for him, but really, Hamza was the one who has taken all his, he's taken all his, all, all his spotlight there, hasn't he? Yeah. Now, if, if they know what they're doing with UKW, and I know they do, they will really tease that over the next few coming weeks, and maybe, I mean, what would you do, I mean, how would it be if Hamza beat Cayman Carlisle, which I don't think will happen, but if he did, and, and beat Sedgwick for the title, and if Mo beat Johan Hunt, which is more likely, and they're both staring at each other, one with a title which is at the top of the shop, and one which is a title which is just in the shop's annex, that would be interesting, but I don't know if UKW would do that. If they know what they're doing, they would. Big move. And a big show this as well. See the segue there. The segue! I really enjoyed it and I should make time to watch Showdown much more often because you know what? It's plumbing good. Ta ta.